This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. A busy show tonight, but let me let me say, I, I almost thought about, you know, why bother to prepare a show? We weren't supposed to be here. As of yesterday, I'm wondering how many how many school children will go into school on Monday and and say, "Well, I didn't do my assignment. I didn't study for my exam because David Mead the uh, said that we weren't supposed to be here today." Well, here we go again, right? How when will we ever learn? All right, let's get to it. Coming up on our panel, uh, do you remember back in March of this year, President Trump accused the Obama administration of conducting a wiretap on Trump Tower? And uh, the um, uh, this was during the election, of course, and the mainstream media was outraged and and uh, ridiculed Trump, demanded that he that he offer up some some evidence and so forth. Now it is being reported that U.S. investigators did did in fact uh, wiretap uh, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort, and therefore indirectly they wiretapped Donald Trump under a secret court order. And uh, the government uh, snooping apparently continued into early this year, including a period when Manafort was known to talk to President Trump. Former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, you'll recall, rejected the assertion. He said there was no such wiretap activity mounted against the president-elect as a candidate or against his campaign. And, uh, well, of course, uh, Clapper also lied to Congress under oath back in 2013 when he was asked whether the National Security Agency was collecting any type of data at all on millions of Americans. And then, of course, uh, uh, several months later, it came out, thanks to uh, Edward Snowden, that the, that was not the case. 
secret courts granting wiretapping of political opponents, it would appear, at least on the surface. Some, of the, the, some on the right are saying that this wiretapping scandal makes Watergate look pretty tame by comparison. Does it? Is Trump vindicated? Remember all those tweets back in March? Well, we'll find out. Uh, media scientists Nelson Thal and George Freund, host of Conspiracy Cafe, join, uh, join me in mere moments. Uh, then author, researcher, Emmy Award-winning television producer, they call him Commander X. He'll join me to discuss the lost journal of, journals of Nikola Tesla. Did the man who invented the 20th century discover anti-gravity or did he create an anti-gravity propulsion device and was that journal stolen at the time of his death we'll get to that conversation after the next break of course we'll do our weekly remote viewing experiment what's in the box and uh, we'll do the big reveal at the bottom of the hour plus i'll be making a, a programming announcement at the bottom of the hour or just past the bottom of the hour so you'll want to stay tuned for that Again, the big reveal and a programming announcement just after the bottom of the hour. Dr. John Hall, who's been with us several times, an expert on targeted individuals and electronic torture, uh, will weigh in on what's been happening in Cuba. This is a strange story. I believe it now involves dozens of primarily U.S. embassy staff down there in Havana. Uh, they have becoming, they've been coming down with strange illnesses, uh, hearing loss, memory loss, uh, it would appear, at least on the surface, they are being targeted with some sort of directed energy weapon. And uh, we'll get to that conversation. Open lines, of course, in the first half of the second hour. We always look forward to our open line segment. Writer, photojournalist Will Hart uh, will join us at the bottom of the next hour. He's been investigating UFOs and history's mysteries since history's mysteries <laughs> since 1968, and he'll be he'll be here to discuss ancient alien ancestors and their advanced technology. And did a sophisticated race of ETs seed this planet in the distant past? Uh, just before our panel, let me introduce once again the boys in the band on the Flying V Gibson guitar, Ian Robertson. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar, occasionally the theremin, Albert Vinzel. And of course, on the Hammond B3, our good friend Ryan White. All right, remote viewers, let's get to our weekly remote viewing experiment. What's in the box? Here are your coordinates. Pay attention. The hidden object is hidden inside the cigar box to my left, sitting on the studio desk here at Zoomerplex 70 Jefferson Avenue in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Allow the, the shape, texture, color, size of the object to form in your mind, and you can tweet your answers to me, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, and remember, you must use the hashtag TCS Remote to the remote viewer or viewers who correctly identifies the object. I'll send you some fabulous Conspiracy Show merchandise. If you're a fan of the show, why not show it off? and support our work here on the program at the same time by visiting the online merchandise store at theconspiracyshow.com. Again, that's theconspiracyshow.com. Buy a mug, a T-shirt, a hoodie, a sweatshirt, a phone case. Great phone cases for all of the different Androids and iPhones, and you can help support our work here. That's the online merch store at theconspiracyshow.com. Good luck, remote viewers. All right, to our panel we go. Uh, news broke earlier this week that uh, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort was the target of surveillance 
efforts before and after the 2016 general election. The question is, did former FBI Director James Comey, former CIA Director James Brennan, Director of National Intelligence Clapper, perhaps, some are suggesting, with President Obama's knowledge, complicity, and maybe even his direction, seek to spy on the inner workings of the Trump campaign and to indirectly wiretap presidential candidate Donald J. Trump himself? If so, is this bigger than Watergate? Is this a constitutional crisis, as some on the right are suggesting? Here to discuss is Nelson Thal, media scientist, archivist of the late Marshall McLuhan. The website is McLuhanTactics.com. Hey, Nelson, how are you, buddy? Just terrific, uh, Rich. It's great being back on with you. The show's just uh, just a delight, and everybody should uh, re-listen to them all. All right, thank you. And uh, George Freund is an independent researcher and the host of the wildly popular podcast, Conspiracy Cafe. The website is conspiracy-cafe.com. Hey, George, thanks for hanging out. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. We always uh, rock the house down. All right, so let me, uh, let's, let's understand what, what transpired recently. We now have sources. Uh, originally, I believe they told CNN uh, that, that Paul Manafort, this was Trump's former campaign chair, was uh, targeted for surveillance. Uh, whoever these authorities were, they went to these secret FISA courts uh, and they received permission to wiretap Paul Manafort. Uh, now, the question then is, well, Manafort would be talking regularly with Donald Trump, so then Trump may have been indirectly wiretapped. And then we have the director of national intelligence, a Clapper, denying that there was any FISA court um, uh, ruling targeting. Uh, uh, and he said if, if, if there was, he would have known about it. So there's a lot going on. Let's, uh, let's try and sort this out. George, could you start? Well, by and large, these intelligence heads play with words. Everybody's surveilled. If you have any kind of modern phone, the NSA is, has the ability, if they're not fully and completely, recording everything you say everywhere, geolocating you, turning on cameras on your phones. You know, when one of my friends got one of these new phones, you see a camera on each side. It's like, okay, you can never put it down and have privacy. They can turn that on anytime. It's an intelligence bonanza. And uh, this is a whole history of the United States. I'll show you one of my favorite books. This is like the Bible of uh, history here. The J. Edgar Hoover, The Man and His Secrets by Kurt Gentry. They, they've been spying on everybody since you could put two cans with a wire in between. And uh, to, to even be so naive or take advantage of people who are so naive to say that this isn't done. You may have been accurate in saying they didn't go to a FISA court because they don't bother. They have this PRISM program that George Bush put into place after 9-11 where they just vacuum all technology, uh, you know, spoken words, the Internet, and, and copying. They were spying on Angela Merkel. I remember that scandal uh, not too long ago when Obama was president. That, right. You know, then, the, then the question, though, and to you, Nelson, is why – okay, so you know, many of us who listen to this program or similar programs and the arenas that, that both of you uh, research – uh, are obviously cognizant that you know there is no privacy, but on the surface, Nelson, it appears that someone in the Obama administration, perhaps even President Obama, was directing the surveillance of a political opponent. Uh, why isn't this a bigger deal than it is right now? Why aren't we? Why why aren't people saying this is bigger than Watergate? 
Well, it is, but um, look, everybody's spying on everybody else, and um, they're covering it up as well. And unfortunately, we've got cover-ups by murder. Uh, the murder's intense. There's more and more death lists emerging all the time. Uh, just ask uh, Elizabeth Beck, who broke down uh, during an interview. She tied the... Uh, she tied the murders of Wiesenart, Smith, Eberwein to the Clinton Foundation uh, with links to the Bushes and Cheney. On both sides of this thing, everybody was spying on everybody else. And as the cover-up goes, whether it's Mueller or whoever, um, the, the death list mount as potential witnesses uh, uh, disappear. Well, back in, in the 70s, uh, you know, this would have been front page news that a political opponent may have been spied on and maybe you know some the the, the counter argument is here is that if it w did go through a FISA court proceeding that would have all been legal but then the question is well who directed that uh, and why was Manafort being targeted was it his connection to some Russian bank we haven't seen any evidence come out yet we may still uh, but you know, where, where, I guess it's a rhetorical question, but where is the mainstream media, where are the Bernsteins and Woodwards poking around and finding out, you know, to what extent are political opponents being spied on in the United States? Everybody's spying on everybody else, and uh, I think the public knows it, and the public's just tired of it, probably, Richard. Uh, but it's going on. It should be a very big story. But um, there's other distractions as people want to party and go from party to party to party. And uh, they're tired of the whole thing. They know everything about it. Everybody knows, as, as Leonard Cohen said in his song, I think they're tired of it. They know about it, and they just want to be left alone. They're just too harassed by other things. George Freund, this would be the second time a Clapper would appear to have perjured himself, would it not? Uh well, they're paid to lie. The job description of these intelligence agencies, and especially their heads, are, you know, you're into the death business, the, you know, you lie, you cheat, you steal, you murder, uh, you know, so that's just a, a carry-on where they they just maybe pick a word to say, okay, well, we didn't use FISA, we use PRISM, or, you know, we did it under this, maybe a secret uh, rule that you don't even know about. So, in a way, he's telling the truth, but in the reality, he's still spinning uh, a story. But you look at reporters, like look at this Wall Street Journal reporter who was found dead in New York, that he was looking into Hillary Clinton and some of the connections with Russia. He was a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, Joseph Rago. So, you know, you dig too deep, you're gone. In the old days, they had Operation Mockingbird exposed, and media got a breath of fresh air. But now I think we're under 50 tons of garbage holding it down, so they can't tell the truth. And Manafort was working with uh, a political party called the Party of Regions in the Ukraine conflict, and that's like open warfare between the West and Russia. So they're probably looking at anybody who you know might have anything good to say about Russia or look at a different perspective on the Ukraine as being an enemy of the state. All right, gentlemen, we are out of time, but thank you. George Freund, again, is the host of Conspiracy Cafe. That's conspiracy-cafe.com. Media scientist Nelson Thal, his website, McLuhanTactics.com. Thank you, gentlemen, both. Good night. Thank you, Richard. When we come back, did the great Serbian-American inventor Nikola Tesla discover anti-gravity technology? And was the journal containing those notes stolen at the time of his death? That's coming up next. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett 
on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour, the big reveal for our weekly remote viewing experiment, What's in the Box? And just a reminder, if you'd like... Uh, to participate, you need to send your answers. You need to tweet your answers to me at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T. And uh, then, of course, we have a, a programming announcement uh, coming up at the uh, the bottom of the hour as well. And uh, just uh, ahead of that, or just uh, after that, uh, towards the tail end of this hour, we'll check in with uh, Dr. John Hall who um, is no stranger to this program, the author of uh, Guinea Pig, Technologies of Control, and A New Breed, uh, Satellite Terrorism in America. John Hall is an expert on uh, directed energy weapons and targeted individuals. And uh, this story out of Cuba is fascinating. We have dozens now. I I believe the last number I saw were 31, some 31 uh, individuals, members of the U.S. Embassy and some others, uh, that that have come down with a strange illness, hearing loss, memory loss, uh, and it appears that they may be targeted by some sort of directed energy weapon. So we'll get into that with uh, Dr. John Hall. Uh, that's all coming up right now. The great inventor, Nikola Tesla, has often been credited with inventing the 20th century. Of course, without him, there'd be no uh, AC electricity, radio, television, robotics, x-rays, radar, microwaves, on and on it goes. But he was also, it turns out, heavily into aeronautics. It has been reported that before he died, Tesla devised plans for the engine of a spaceship. He called it the anti-electromagnetic field drive, or space drive. Many of Tesla's papers mysteriously uh, went missing, supposedly, after his death at the New Yorker Hotel in New York City back in 1943. Commander X is uh, with us. He's a professional journalist with impressive credentials, probably best known for his book, The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla. He's been featured on the History Channel. He's also written about time travel, teleportation, as well as the mysteries of the North and South Poles, the concept that our planet may be hollow, and the secret life of the enigmatic explorer Admiral Richard E. Byrd. He's the editor of the online edition of the Conspiracy Journal and co-host of Exploring the Bizarre. Commander X, welcome back to the Conspiracy Show. How are you? Well, thank you very much. And uh, I should point out that... uh I am, am not Commander X. That's that's a completely different person. Oh, but but I have uh, you know I have co-written books with Commander. Well, X. then well, I wasn't sure. I, okay, I'll, we'll call you Tim Schwartz. My that's apologies. <laughs> I thought we, we were going to call you Tim Schwartz, but uh, all right. So, uh, Tim, thank you uh, for joining us, and my apologies for that uh, oh, no, egregious no, no error. Uh, uh, that that mistake gets made a lot. All right, Tim. Now. My understanding was, and I, I've I've been to the New Yorker uh, Hotel, and I went up to the uh, uh, the he had two suites that were kind of joined together, and there's a you know a nice commemoration there that this was uh, where uh, where Tesla spent his uh, his last days and so forth, and died we're told penniless 
practically. But is that is that true that there were papers removed uh, from from his suite at the time of his death? Oh, uh, certainly. And it wasn't just his suite. I mean, you've, you've been there, you know. I mean, it's not very big. Right. I mean, there's just basically two rooms there. And uh, allegedly, he also had a, uh, a laboratory on the floor above uh, uh, his, uh, his suite. Uh, but uh, he had uh, papers and notes and, and other material scattered all over Manhattan. Uh, when After he passed away, uh, the FBI and the Office of, uh, of Alien Properties came in and took whatever they could get their hands on to. And, uh, you know, according to official FBI records, uh, they took approximately two truckloads worth of material uh, that they then uh, sent to a warehouse that Tesla already had uh, a room there with uh, another 30 or, or so barrels of, uh, of additional material. And uh, some other people said that there was probably another 80 boxes or barrels worth of material that uh, hadn't been found yet. So, yes, I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutely true, but uh, probably you know, they only scratched the surface on the amount of material that they actually got a hold of. No doubt. So let's talk a little bit about his anti-electromagnetic field or space drive. This is essentially anti-gravitic propulsion, correct? That's correct, yes. This was a, uh, a result of experiments that Tesla had been doing uh, for a number of years, especially uh, you know, in the early uh, uh, 1900s when he was researching uh, his attempt to try to uh, create uh, a wireless electricity. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, Tesla was the victim of uh, his current technology, so uh, he could not take his his research and experiments too far. Uh, but uh, he was pretty well convinced that he had discovered at least one method of, of defeating gravity. And, and and we can see this uh, sort of played out. I guess it's it's um, it's called the Faraday or skin effect, where the where um, the surface, the emission, the electrostatic emission from the surface of a conductor will concentrate where the surface curves or presents an edge, and so the sharper the curve, and this is what we should all point out, this is, uh, this is all uh, um, been, uh, this technology, I guess, is, is that have been built upon by Dr. Thomas uh, Townsend Brown, correct? Yes, that's correct. All right, so this, I mean, how do we know that this, this technology that he was talking about, or this theory, actually worked? Well, <laughs> that, and that's just it. Um, you know, uh, uh, according to a number of whistleblowers throughout the years, uh, it does work, and it has been uh, uh, protected. Uh, protected. It has been perfected. Uh, by you know, military scientists, DARPA, Wright Patterson Air Force Base. You know, just uh, there's there's been a number of of, of names that has uh, surfaced with this. I mean, we can see from the research by T. Townsend Brown the direction that was being taken uh, with these experiments. And uh, in the 1950s, you know, there were a lot of articles uh, being written about how uh, gravity was. I mean, that was uh, that was the next big step. To be conquered and how we were so close, and then all of a sudden it was just like a wall was dropped down. All uh, 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 supposed knowledge along these lines was suppressed. 
So probably sometime in the late 1950s to early 1960s, uh, that you know gravity was probably overtaken, and uh, you know the the whole idea now of using you know chemical rockets to to get into outer space is just probably you know very antiquated. Right, just window dressing to hide. Yes, exactly. So. Do you believe then that uh, – and, and I remember reading about how, uh, you know, Boeing was uh, – again, they were on the cusp of, of uh, you know, these discoveries in anti-gravitics. And as you say, then all of a sudden there was this news blackout in the late 1950s. So is it the contention that, that Tesla's journals on how to build a flying saucer effectively uh, were stolen and ended up at Boeing or, or other places in the military-industrial complex? It ended up within uh, the the United States uh, industrial military complex. It also ended up in the hands of the Soviet Union as well. Um, after uh, in 1953, uh, Tesla's uh, nephew had petitioned the United States government to release his material uh, to the Tesla Museum in Belgrade, Yugoslavia. Um, after that was done. Uh, Western scientists and journalists were not allowed to look at this material once it had made it uh, past the Iron Curtain. Uh, More than likely, uh, the United States held on to probably as much material as they could. Uh, It seems likely, though, that something made it out of their hands, or it could be that uh, uh, Nazi Germany... Uh, during World War II, they had a, uh, an East Coast, East Coast spy ring, and they managed to also get a hold of, of uh, quite a bit of uh, Tesla's material, which may have resulted in the, uh, the, the, you know, the alleged Nazi flying disc. Uh, the Soviet Union may have gotten a hold of the uh, Tesla-based technology uh, through, through that method after, you know, after they overtook Berlin. Do you then believe that, uh, for example, the Roswell UFO incident of 1947 may have been, in fact, Tesla technology? It could very well be. Um, it, uh, as time goes by, it, it, it seems less and less likely that whatever happened at Roswell, whatever crashed there, probably was not an extraterrestrial vehicle. Um, and, and, and I think that there's some, some pretty good evidence that, that has presented itself over the years that, uh, that, that we're dealing with probably a man-made craft, whether or not this was an experimental vehicle uh, that was based on um, um, seized Nazi technology, which again was based on what Tesla was working on, or as uh, as my friend Tim Beckley has uh, has postulated that this was an actually an actual Nazi controlled uh, uh, flying disc uh, from you know some other secret location, possibly uh, South America, that was uh, uh, surveilling the United States at the time. Uh, so, but uh, but yes, I mean, I I think that more than likely, whatever happened at Roswell was probably a, a man-made craft rather than extraterrestrial. Tim Schwartz is with us, uh, the author of The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla. He's been uh, featured on the History Channel and also written extensively about time travel, teleportation, the mysteries of the North and South Pole, editor of the uh, online edition of The Conspiracy Journal, and co-host of Exploring the Bazaar. Uh, the other uh, uh, area that, that Tesla was, was into was environmental energy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
much of that material, I'm guessing, also disappeared. Uh, yes, there uh, there are some patents that that Tesla had issued that uh, uh, that work along in uh, what really what looks to be like a rudimentary uh, solar panel. Uh, but Tesla put it that this was something that could actually absorb cosmic rays, as he put it. And and who knows? I mean, you know, back at the time uh, that he issued this patent, I mean, you know, the the words, you know, solar, cosmic rays, I mean, they were just kind of like uh, tossed around. They didn't have the same exact meanings as they, as they do today. Uh, but uh, obviously Tesla was extremely interested in finding new methods to generate energy rather than burning things, you know, coal, wood, you know, uh, oil. Uh, Tesla was extremely concerned that uh, the, you know, the, the, the continuation of the Industrial Revolution and having to rely on burning things rather than a, a more natural approach, say, you know, and that's one of the reasons that he built you know, his generators there at Niagara Falls. I mean, this was a, uh, basically a clean form of energy, and Tesla was extremely interested in uh, advancing that type of technology. Uh, this is energy from the ether, as it were? Is that the idea? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, you know, Tesla believed in what was called the ether. Uh, you know, that, that, that's a term that's kind of disappeared once uh, Einstein's uh, theory of relativity uh, took place. Uh, but now, you know, the, the idea of the ether is, is kind of coming back and uh, with the, the whole uh, possibility of, you know, dark, dark energy and, and, and dark matter, you know, there may be a place now, you know, within cosmology uh, for the ether. Uh, any attempts to, un- I mean, do you think it's ever possible to, uh, to recover these lost journals? Is it possible that some of this material fell into uh, private hands, maybe some of his assistants and so forth? It's floating out there somewhere yet to be discovered? I hope so, I, and, and, and I do think so. Uh, you know, I mean, I do know that, uh, you know, people have run across this material by accident, uh, you know, buying uh, material from estate sales and things like that. Uh, but it seems like that all, as soon as knowledge gets out uh, that this material is around, it gets snapped up immediately, and then it falls back into that, you know, that, that dark hole. Uh, you know, we do know that Wright-Patterson Air Force Base got got a lot of it when they were researching uh, Tesla's idea for a, a, a death beam. But for some reason, once Wright-Patterson got a hold of it, it disappeared. Uh, in the 1980s, uh, Wright-Patterson wrote the FBI wanting to know if uh, the FBI may have had uh, still had copies because they couldn't find theirs, or at least you know, that's that's what they said. <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right, Tim, great uh, pleasure having you on. I thank you uh, so much. Tim Schwartz. Thank uh, you very much. Pleasure th- to be with you tonight. The book is The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla, and also check out the online edition of the uh, Conspiracy uh, Journal. Very quickly, Tim, how do we find that? Yes, it's at www.conspiracyjournal.com. Conspiracyjournal.com. And, of course, again, the book, The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla. When we come back, open. Uh, when we come back, we'll do the big reveal for our weekly remote viewing experiment and a uh, programming announcement. Stay with us. You're listening to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Ahead, Dr. John Hall will be with us to talk about the targeting of U.S. Embassy staff in Havana, Cuba, it sounds eerily familiar to regular listeners of this program. Uh, those of you who recently heard our Targeted Individuals special, Dr. John Hall is a specialist in this field, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to him about uh, whether or not they are using some sort of directed energy uh, device down in Havana. Uh, and then at the top of the hour, of course, open lines. And then we'll be joined by Will Hart, photojournalist and a writer, Ancient Alien Ancestors, Advanced Technologies That Transformed Our World. Uh, right now it is time for the big reveal for our weekly remote viewing experiment called What's in the Box? And uh, let's go around the horn, first of all, before we, uh, we check out the, uh, the Twitter feed. All right, uh, Ian, you are up. What's in the box, my friend? I'm seeing grapes. Green, see- green grapes. Green grapes. I had some green grapes today. Oh, that's, that's it. That's why you were, that's perhaps what you were <laughs> seeing. All right, and uh, Albert? Oh, yes, there we go. Albert? Uh, I, I must say, every time you opened the box, I had a deja vu feeling. Like, that's, that was on the tip of my tongue and in, in the back of the, my, my mind, what I was going to say. But sometimes you just hold back. You, you just well, hold don't hold back, back Albert. <laughs> uh, okay, it's, it's a guess, I'm afraid, this time again. F- a feather or something bird-like? A feather or something bird-like. Interesting. All right, over to you, uh, Ryan. You know, I, I really couldn't see anything inside the box today, just kind of like a, a black, dense void. So unless it's something Ooh, like that's, a... That's really... Uh, have you been reading Nietzsche again? Well, not no, not quite. I mean, so unless it's like a hockey puck, uh, that's about it. But other than that, just, just nothingness. Okay, so we have nothingness. That is bleak, Yeah, my friend. We need to cheer you up. Some vitamin D, perhaps. Uh, all right, so Ian thinks uh, it's a cluster of green grapes. Albert uh, says it's a feather or something bird-like. And uh, Ryan, it's just a, a black void of nothingness. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, but I mean, you know, there are... Or a hockey puck. Exactly. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Right. No, but, you know, there are many people with great uh, sights today on Twitter here. All right. Uh, Drew sees a maple leaf maybe pressed in wax paper to commemorate the first day of fall. Russell sees a fish. Leo uh, sees a black ballpoint pen. John sees some type of spindle or axle, uh, maybe the thing you put your toilet paper on and have it roll about. All right. Larry sees a miniature football or football keychain. YY sees something metallic or silver looking. YY was our winner last week. Yep. Metallic or silver looking, perhaps a pen or pen-like object. Mm-hmm. Daniel says a CD case. James sees a mineral. And Paul sees a child's toy, maybe a plastic animal. Oh, wow. That's interesting. That's interesting. What we have is, in fact, just in time for Halloween, perhaps, a spider, a plastic spider. That's a that would have to that's a, from the animal kingdom. That's a it plastic is a, animal. It's, yeah. it's a plastic animal. I think who was that again? Paul. 
Paul, congratulations. Listen, reach out to uh, to us on uh, on Twitter, and we'll uh, we'll get your uh, mailing address. And actually, better yet, go to the website if you're listening and uh, contact me through the website, strangeplanet.ca, and uh, send me your address, and we will send you out some fabulous conspiracy show merchandise. And uh, if you're a fan of the show and want to show it off or you just want to help support the program, again, visit the online merch store at theconspiracyshow.com and buy a mug, a T-shirt, sweatshirt, hoodie, or a phone case. But congratulations to our remote viewer. And again, it is a plastic... Spider, and that was taken from the, the boys' toy box. So that is a toy animal. Wow! All right, two in a row. Last week, YY, and today, Paul. All right, now time for a big announcement. As you know, several months ago, we launched this uh, new format where we we have a, a panel off the top, and we have more guests, and we have open lines at the bo- top of the uh, the second hour, and then we have a uh, another guest at the bottom of the hour. The idea was uh, just to. to um, because it's a weekly show, we only get a you know once a week to address what's going on in the world, and and especially in the last couple of years, things have been moving so quickly. Uh, I don't need to tell you that uh, that we decided uh, to make the show just busier, and it was kind of ambitious. And I put a lot of this uh, on on Albert's shoulders because he had to now instead of just having two guests. One at the top of the first hour and one at the top of the second hour. Now we, we had to scramble and we had to find two panelists every week and, and uh, then a guest for the 11.15 and the 11.45 and the 12.30. A lot of work, but it was worth it. However, uh, based on the response that I'm getting from you, the listener, via email and text and, and uh, so forth, you don't like it. You don't like the new format. And listen, that's, that's fine. That's fine, but I'm, I've been getting, uh, I would say, 70% against the new format, 30% in favor of the new format. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, I am, I'm a populist, and uh, if it's not working for you, then we're going to change it. We're going to change it back. So starting next week, what is that? October the the first, right? Starting October the first, we're going back to the old format, longer interviews. So the first hour will be with one guest. Now I'm uh, I'm some I'm sort of debating whether or not uh, we'll keep the remote viewing experiment. I know it's kind of fun, but you know maybe it's run its course. I'll, I'm going to reserve that and with a, de- a decision coming next week on the uh, the remote viewing experiment. Um, but we will go back to the old format, one guest in the first hour, and primarily there will be one guest in the second hour. The, uh, second, hour. the second hour is booked. We have a Maria D'Andrea, and she's an occultist, psychic, shaman, author. All right. And she'll talk on how to eliminate stress and, and anxiety through their occult. Maria D'Andrea. All right. So there you go. Hope you're happy with that. And... Uh, I want to give you what you want. So, starting next week, back to the old format. All right, we will uh, check in with Dr. John Hall on what's been going on down in Cuba. Very, very strange. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416 416- 360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740.
Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Just a reminder, just after the top of the hour, open lines for the half hour, 416-360-0740, in the Greater Toronto Area, and toll-free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740, 866-740-4740. Open lines, top of the hour, and we'll also open it up uh, to those of you who are uh, in the uh, the live chat on our YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right. The top security official at the U.S. Embassy in Havana, Cuba, is said to be among those affected by mysterious attacks that have resulted in a range of injuries. Uh, to date, at least 21 Americans associated with the embassy in Havana have experienced a host of unexplained health problems, including mild traumatic brain injury, permanent hearing loss, loss of balance, severe headaches, and brain swelling. This according to the American Foreign Service Association. CBS News has reported that the embassy's regional security officer, who is responsible for serving at the embassy's senior law enforcement and security advisor, has been scheduled to undergo medical treatment. Last week, several Republican senators expressed concern about the attacks in a letter to Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. They called on him to expel all Cuban diplomats in the U.S. if the Cuban government does not take action to remove the threats, considering also closing the American embassy in Havana. Are these embassy workers being targeted? by the same type of directed energy weaponry that we discuss on this program. The technology being used against perhaps millions of people around the world as part of some cruel experiment. Here to discuss is Dr. John Hall, the top, uh, sorry, Dr. John Hall, a medical doctor in San Antonio, the author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. Dr. Hall, great to speak with you again. How are you? Oh, good, Richard. Great to be with you. I, w- I would like to tell you, just before we start, uh, I am in Indiana in an Amish community with no electricity. So I am sitting outside on a cell phone or I can get a signal to do your show. So uh, if you lose me or you hear some clip-clopping of horses uh, in the background, <laughs> that's right. uh, certainly to be to be understood. So We appreciate you. Uh, hopefully the weather is, is uh, nice out there under the stars for you. So when oh, you... Great. When you heard about this story, I mean, did, the, did the, the, the alarm bells start going off? Were you saying, my gosh, this sounds eerily familiar? Oh, certainly it did. And, and, and so the alarm bells also went off when I saw the government's response. Uh, if you've noticed, the major media is only able to report what they get from the State Department uh, and what they have been able to, the small amount of details they've been able to get from the victims. But if you notice, immediately... Uh, the media uh, kind of started downplaying this, this, calling it health attacks, 
Uh, initially, they were calling it a possible, you know, sonic or acoustic weapon. Right. Uh, and then, and then they changed the the vernacular to health attacks because they're so deathly afraid to label it what what it is, which is directed energy and electromagnetic attacks. Um, and if you saw initially, they said that the only symptoms were ringing in the ears. And then slowly they started bringing out some of the other symptoms that people were hearing, which I had already talked to a couple of the victims, and, and they were getting the same constellation of symptoms that we see in the targeted individual community. You have talked to the, some of the victims? Yes. And uh, which, the, uh, the, uh, the hearing loss, the, the permanent hearing loss, uh, memory loss, severe headaches, these again are all consistent with some sort of directed energy weapon. Yeah, especially the tinnitus. Some of them were hearing voices. Some were having uh, increased heating to the body, which are, uh, I mean, the, as far as the attacks go, that's, you know, the tinnitus, hearing voices and, and noticing that your body temperature is elevating because they're heating you up uh, are some of the biggies. Uh, and we've seen that in the targeted individual community now for over a decade as these, you know, weapons were used for experimentation. So, uh, and I kind of figured after seeing the initial report come out that uh, it was just an irritating noise that they were hearing, that sooner or later we would see the rest of it. And sure enough, we did, you know, which included some other really serious health effects as well. Um, and, of course, the FBI and the, the intelligence agencies are, are all still telling the media that it's, as of now, an unknown weapon system. And <clears throat> what's even more disconcerting is there was an author in Psychology Today even went as far as stating in his article that it's group delusional disorder and probably nothing going on with oh, these people. Dear. <laughs> which, I mean, How predictable. I don't know he, How predictable. Yeah. I, well, and I don't know if he was paid to actually put out an apologetic article uh, or if he's just doing it out of ignorance. But, you know, certainly there's a bunch of victims out of that embassy that will disagree with him. Uh, and so do you have any suspicions as to what, I mean, what, specific type of technology is being utilized? I mean, we, we often use that term directed energy. It's kind of an umbrella term, but I mean, what type of technology could, could pull this off and where would it be well, located? I, 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 well, I mean, the FBI has already swept the embassy and the, and the people who work there's homes, because you remember this wasn't just happening at the embassy. This was happening in the, the residences that they were staying in while they worked at the embassy as well. Right. And, and it even came to light that they said that even, you know, families within one home, one may have been victimized while the other, you know, in another bedroom were unvictimized, you know, which is typically what you see with targeted individuals as well, where you'll have, you know, just the husband targeted and the wife is not or vice versa. Yes. Uh, and so the, it, it's the same specific weaponry that we're seeing, which is electromagnetic based, uh, most of which is actually designed to bond with the uh, the EEG, you know, the brain waves of the brain to, you know, make you experience heating. Some of it does it through basically tricking the brain into thinking the body's being attacked or making it appear that the body's being attacked. And others of it are directed energy millimeter wave weaponry and sonic weaponry or acoustic weapons that actually do distort the end organs, you know, can make the heart beat funny, uh, can burn the skin as far as millimeter wave weapons go and things like that. And certainly the acoustic weapons can actually alter um, brain permeability and have chemical alterations that cause physiologic problems. Now you you mentioned uh, off the top that you know the media is 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 very nervous about how they approach this story also obviously 
the State Department and so forth because they they don't want people – well, you explain. What is that, what's at stake here if, if in fact U.S. embassy officials are being targeted by a directed energy weapon? Well, for them to admit that the U.S. embassy officials are being targeted by directed energy weapons, they're going to have to admit that most of these letters and uh, information that they've received from targeted individuals being experimented on are also probably being targeted by these same weapons. And that means having to admit that the American government actually can experiment on the public non-consensually, which we all know they do uh, and have done for a number of years because there's no rules against it. Uh, and it's it's basically going to have to admit that all of these people that have been writing them letters all along are probably correct in their assumption that they're being experimented on after they've been telling them for over a decade now that they're suffering from mental illness. And they've even tried to do that with some of these uh, embassy personnel people in Psychology Today. Essentially, this psychologist who probably doesn't practice psychology but only writes articles for Psychology Today came out saying that he doubts anything actually happened, that this is probably group delusional disorder. After one person started complaining, then other people started actually, you know, psychologically getting the symptoms and voicing the similar complaints. Problem is the complaints aren't all similar. Some people are getting just tinnitus. Some people are getting directed energy attacks. Some people are having brain injury. Some people are having memory loss. Some people are having all of the symptoms. So, I mean, it doesn't stand to reason that it would be group delusional disorder. Um, but, you know, the psychiatric world has long ignored the complaints of the targeted individuals, mainly because at the beginning of these research studies in MKUltra, all of these subprojects were headed up by psychiatrists and psychologists. So, you know, to admit that it is happening at all means that having some criminal culpability to the psychiatric and psychological establishment who started most of these research studies. Well, I think despite the attempts of uh, the psychology uh, discipline and mainstream media, I think this is going to, this is perhaps could be the story that sort of cracks cracks things open a little bit. And, and, and in, in the mainstream, you know, in the, in, in the, uh, the population's mind, you know, they'll, they'll hopefully start to connect some of these dots. And, and so this whole idea of people being targeted by governments or rogue elements within an, an agency, it may start to go mainstream. Well, and that's what I'm hoping, too, that eventually that some of these victims will be able to speak publicly. Right now, they're not because they're all on gag orders uh, from the State Department to not talk about it. That's why you're not seeing any interviews uh, of any of the victims with media. Several of them have actually contacted me privately, and that's how, I mean, they contacted me. That's how I was able to talk to them. But if you'll notice, most of the media reports are actually quoting former CIA people or former intelligence office people, you know, as to what may be happening there or what weapons may be used. Exactly. And most of them are being kind of vague about it, too. They're They're saying things like, well, it, it may be experimentation gone awry, you know, done by Russia or the Cuban government, uh, or they're saying, well, we're not really sure what this may be, and it may be some new novel weapon that we don't know about, which is complete BS, because, you know, these this weaponry, the research started in the 50s on it with MKUltra and MKSurge and other, you know, monikers that we've talked about on your show before. So they know very well what it is and that it's nothing novel and that every industrialized nation pretty much has access 
or has developed these types of weapons. So, you know, that part of it, you know, they're just being untruthful uh, in their reporting. Dr. Hall, got to ask you very quickly, uh, your your book, A New Breed of um, Satellite Terrorism in America, A New Breed Satellite Terrorism, Terrorism in America is uh, perhaps coming to a movie theater? Yeah, I mean, we do have a script on it. Uh, we have shot a trailer on it and actually are in the process of actually getting it turned into a film. Uh, I got kind of pulled into a, a Western TV series that I'm actually a part of right now that we're kind of doing the finishing up on the shooting for that. One of the reasons I'm up here in, in Amish country is actually uh, helping some people pick up some covered wagons and horses and buggies and stuff for the Western. And as soon as that shot, we're going to be back on uh, getting targeted uh, done. And I've also been approached uh, by another network to, to do kind of an A&E style show uh, question and answer, you know, basically about this. And that is the one good thing about what has happened to these people at the embassy. Not that I don't have sympathies with them being attacked, but now that there are some actual government employee, employees that have been attacked. It could go mainstream. Has pe- John, I got yeah, apologies. I got to, I got to, I got to go. Newbreedmovie.com. Newbreedmovie.com. John Hall, thank you so much. When we come back, open lines. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft... That greasy spoon just off the interstate and your cabin in the woods. And a big howdy to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio. AM 740, 96.7 FM here in Toronto. Hi to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations. Those of you catching the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, and TalkZone.com. Those of you who take the show with you, wherever you go on your mobile device, with the Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer Radio app, both, incidentally, free downloads. Those of you watching the live stream on YouTube, and just a reminder, we've set a a modest goal of 10,000 subscriptions by the end of 2017. I believe we're closing in on about 5,900, almost at 6,000. So uh, help us out. Please check out the YouTube channel, theconspiracyshow.com, or sorry, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, and hit the sub button. Tell your friends and your coworkers. All right. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. This half hour, open lines, open lines till the bottom of the hour. Let me give you the numbers, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740. That's the Greater Toronto Area, and toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740, 866-740-4740. And also, we'll, um, we'll welcome questions and comments from... Those of you who are in the live chat for the uh, the YouTube live chat for the YouTube channel, uh, just a reminder: if you missed the big announcement at the uh, the bottom of the hour, we are going back to the old format. Starting next week, 
So we'll have longer uh, form interviews. Top of the hour, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern, one interview for the whole hour. And primarily we'll do the same with the, uh, the second uh, hour, one guest. From time to time, not every week, but from time to time, we'll, uh, we'll do some open lines. And as for our weekly remote viewing experiment, uh, the future of that remains, uh, well, it's TBA. We'll let you know. Uh, but uh, we heard you loud and clear, your, your comments, emails, uh, saying that you're, you're not happy with the new format. So back it goes to the old way. And that's fine. We want to make you happy. All right. Uh, let's see. Why don't we uh, dive into the lines here and we say hello to... Uh, let's see. We have Randall. Randall is uh, checking in. I'm not sure. Where, is that is it Buffalo? Randall, are you there? Yeah. Hi, Richard. It's Randall Montgomery. Hey, Randall. Aliens and UFOs. Hey, great to hear from you again, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I actually have some good news. You know how uh, one of the uh, concerns you have is that the mainstream media seems to always completely ignore everything that you talk about. Um, well, or if they do talk about it, they do sort of in a derisive um, uh, tone. Yeah, well, the National Post newspaper last week had two articles, uh, the one one day and the, the other the other day. Uh, the second one was about the 50th anniversary of the huge UFO sighting at Shag Harbor. Ah, and they yes. interviewed Chris Stiles, and it was almost a full-page article. Interesting. And it was very, uh, very positive. So that's that's good news. Well, it is certainly one of—that's true. It is good news. That's one of the most, perhaps, uh, documented UFO incidents, uh, I mean, in history, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, we have, we have I think there are RCMP— uh, uh, officers on the record having seen something, other local police uh, down in Nova Scotia having seen something. It's, it's in They're, the Toronto Sun as well. It was in the Toronto Sun, Albert is saying, as well. All right. Well, that is encouraging. And and they, they didn't do it with sort of tongue, tongue firmly planted in cheek. No, no. The uh, the tone of it was, uh, was quite uh, different from the usual. Now, the other thing was the day before in Barbara Kay's column, and she's an excellent columnist, she had an article about EMPs, electromagnetic pulses. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess and a lot of people are talking about that since the, uh, the rocket man, as President Trump calls him in North Korea, has been sort of threatening uh, to launch sort of a low-altitude uh, nuke, which could cause an EMP event, and that would be lights out North America. Well, that was the uh, the theme of her article. It's an excellent article. Uh, if I could just cite the URL in case anybody wants to look it up online like sure. I just did. You just go to nationalpost.com slash opinion, Barbara-K. Every word has got a dash in between it. So it's Barbara K. This could destroy our civilization, but we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Which is very true, and uh, she also talks about a, a book by Toronto Sun columnist and broadcaster Anthony Fury. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correct, F-U-R-E-Y, and he just published a book called Pulse Attack, The Real Story Behind the Secret Weapon That Can Destroy North America. So she's giving his uh, book a plug in there, and uh, she also mentions a Peter Fry who you may have heard of. He was a former staff member of American House Armed Services Committee. 
And she says he had dedicated the best years of his life to urging action on EMPs. And it was like crying wolf when there really is a wolf and no right. one believes you. Right. It's, it's a it real head scratch. And the more vocal he became in pointing out weaknesses in government policies uh, regarding, you know, preventing EMP attacks under Obama, the more his career suffered. And it says he and his wife literally lost the family farm as a result. It is a head-scratcher. My, my colleague uh, at Coast to Coast AM, George Norrie, of course, has been banging this drum for many years on the, the urgent need uh, for the federal government in the United States to take measures to harden the, uh, uh, the, the, grid, the, um, the grid. Now, the military, apparently, their grid has been hardened, but not uh, so for the, the, the rest of us, the civilians. And, uh, you know, it may not come in, in the, uh, the guise of a... Uh, a nuke from North Korea or wherever. It could simply be a an, a coronal mass ejection on par with the Carrington event, which happened back, I guess, in the 1850s. Nobody took notice yeah. because we didn't live in an electrified world except, you know, the tele- a few telegraph um, uh, stations got fried, and I, I believe uh, there were a few injuries, but nobody really noticed. But if that were to happen today, and we've had a couple of near misses in the last several months... Uh, a major coronal uh, mass coronal ejection that uh, were to hit the earth and it could be lights out for a very very long time so well maybe yeah, maybe well, they're listening to the program the, she she come up, somehow comes up with the estimate of 33 months uh, it sounds yeah, i don't know how it could be so exact but it would be like a, say 3 years being thrown back into the 1800s Yes, it would be, indeed, 100%. Well, it sounds like maybe some of those folks over at the National Post are listening to the program, Randall, but thank you for uh, bringing this to our attention. You're, you're quite welcome. All right. Uh, let's say hi to, um, is it Cece in Anaheim, California? Cece. Hi, oh, Cece. Hi. Hi there. Um, actually, I was um, hoping to ask a question of Dr. John Hall. But uh, I must have missed the part where he's no longer on. Is that correct? That's right. We we had him on uh, in the previous hour. But you know what? I'm, I'll, I'll bring him on for uh, an hour in the next uh, in the next month or two, and we'll we'll talk about it. But uh, what did, what were you going to ask him, Cece? I was. I know that he um, approached, or I think it was him that approached um, Congress. I know that Dr. Uh, Robert Duncan did. But I wonder, uh, in after this Cuban. Um, issue took place, and uh, he indicated that he did speak to some of the victims of the sonic attacks, they're calling them sonic. Um, I had wondered if any of the senators or congressmen uh, have decided to reach out to him, or maybe Dr. Robert Duncan, or anyone regarding uh, these crimes. These are crimes. Mm -hmm, Indeed. This is horrendous. Uh, People who call themselves targeted individuals like myself, um, you know, this is, what they put us through is nothing short of torture. What's happening with you, Cece? Can you, t- can you tell us uh, uh, some details? I, it's, too much, it's too much time uh, for, um, for right now, and I really wasn't prepared to talk about myself except that I, I will tell you the worst of it. Um, I was systematically maimed during workers' compensation medical procedures um, from my skull down to my tailbone. On the last, uh, I had a set of three lumbar epidural steroid injections, and each time I kept getting worse, and 
and uh, the second and third time, well, the second time I was told I had to be under anesthesia, which I found out later was not true. Um, I had the right to stay awake. Um, and then the third time, I was literally brutally forced under anesthesia. When I woke up, I had been maimed from my skull down to my tailbone. And then from then on, I was stalked, uh, harassed. I, I'm followed on the Internet. I'm followed on foot. I've had cars come up behind me and flash their lights for miles, not just because they want to get in front of me. Right. We're talking harassment for right. miles and miles. Uh, I've, I have gone through hell on earth just like many other targeted individuals, and if it wasn't for the organizations uh, like People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance and Freedom from Covert uh, Harassment, uh, and surveillance, I think it was. Yes, Dr. Uh, Hall is Paul. on the medical. Uh, he's a he's on their medical board, actually, of that organization. Yes, and and now the yes, so he's on the medical board. Dr. John Hall is on the medical board, uh, also with the International uh, Center for Abuse Against Covert Technologies, or that's on uh, www.isaact.org. I C A A. CT.org. Well, hopefully, so, uh, CC. Many, yeah. many of us out there, we, uh, you know, we're not alone. Uh, we give each other, um, you know, we've not, you know, I haven't met anyone except for uh, Derek Robinson in person. Right. Uh, and a few other TIs. Um, but I now live in chronic pain because, um, uh, by the way, when I said that they maimed my uh, CC, I, I, I apologize. I, I have to. I have to run. Oh, absolutely. We're See, going I knew into it was a break. Going to be too long. It's going to be. That's too much. okay. CC, listen. I'm going to get Dr. Hall on for a longer period of time, and hopefully, you'll call back and he can offer some some suggestions for you. Hang in there. I know that's easy for me to say. Uh, we'll be we'll be praying for you, CC. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate the time. Have All right. A great day. Bye bye. More of your calls. Open lines continues on the other side. Don't go away. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So... Can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free. But first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Just a reminder, bottom of the hour, Will Hart, jo- <clears throat> Will Hart joins us. Ancient alien ancestors, advanced technologies that transformed our world. Uh, and uh, right now we are uh, enjoying our open line segment. Before we go back to the calls, let me go over to, uh, to you, Ryan. And what do we have from our... Uh, our live chat on YouTube. We have a, a good local question from Ubecha about pot sales legalization next year. Um, 
What do you think about the LCBO taking charge of those sales? Well, uh, I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, sort of government agencies or government-owned uh, entities taking charge of much. Um, I'm, a, I'm of two minds on, on legalizing pot. Uh, certainly medical marijuana I'm, I'm uh, fully in favor of. Uh, I don't think we've fully e- explored, you know, the medical benefits of marijuana. Uh, we had recently a comedian on the program last week uh, who believes that um, marijuana or, or cannabis oil uh, taken as in a suppository uh, basically cured him of stage four prostate cancer twice. Now, that's his claim. I'm not making that claim. Uh, he he genuinely believes that is the case. So I'm all in favor of medical marijuana. I'm not a big fan of uh, legalizing pot. But on the other hand, I hate to see you know lives of young people destroyed because of a simple possession uh, that may prevent them, for example, for from crossing over uh, the border into the United States. Do we really want to condemn you know a generation uh, of people with with um, with a, with a criminal record that will will haunt them for the rest of their lives. So that to me is a problem is problematic. The idea that that people are rotting in prison still in the United States for possession of a couple of seeds or a couple of plants to me is an incredible injustice. It doesn't serve society. Uh, but I'm not necessarily a big fan of the LCBO uh, being the uh, uh, sort of the venue by which people will. Uh, um, you know, obtain their marijuana. If, I mean, obviously, uh, it's intended to be a cash grab. If you want to legalize it and you want people to have the freedom, then you you would allow them to grow their own pot. That's not what they want, though. Obviously, they want the tax revenue. So, it's very cynical in order, you know, for them to do that. I think. Um, and what was the the second question? Another one. Well, did you oh. do anything? Uh, you know, the world was supposed to end yesterday. Did your family prepare at all? September the 23rd, uh, there's a Christian numerologist, David Mead, who was going, he was on coast to coast and so forth, and, and said that, yes, here we go again. And, and I believe it was somehow connected with Nibiru and Planet X. Uh, did I do anything to, re- to prepare for the end of the world? Yes, I went out and I bought some really green bananas. The greenest bananas that I could find <laughs> because I don't give these end of the world... Uh, prophecies any any um, any time at all, quite frankly. Uh, all right, let's go. But thank you for that, Ryan. Let's go back to the phones and let's say hello to uh, it, Sasha is in Vancouver. Hello, Sasha. Hi, Richard. Hi there. So I'm just calling in. I wanted to to ask you a little bit about just. It seems to me that there is increasing polarization between the people who have a kind of like a zealous blind faith in whatever standard science says is true. And they kind of ignore and ridicule any anomalous events or uh, anomalous observations. And then on the other side, there are the people who want to kind of scientifically investigate for themselves the things that we're told are silly to even question. And so what I wanted to ask you is, how do you think we can better fight against that? Because I just see it leading to kind of zealous behavior and extremism on both sides. Can you give me an example of what you're talking about, Sasha, in terms of the scientific community? Is there a particular issue, the way that the science views it, that you, that you think illustrates your point? Well, for example, um, 
you know, particle colliders, let's say, are taxpayer-funded, right? If you look at CERN, the Large Hadron Collider, there are some in the States as well. And they're funded to the tune of billions of dollars Mm -hmm. um, over decades. And they're all predicated on the concept of particle physics and um, and the space-time as a fabric. And there are more and more physicists who have who are daring, I guess, to kind of speak out and say, well, actually, particle physics, that's, that's kind of an older model that's being replaced by these ideas of particles just being different levels of excitation and in, in, in an underlying field. But they're not, no one's listening to them because we've invested billions of dollars into these particle colliders and because all these scientists have their careers invested in this. Right. And so they, they, Science is becoming a religion where you just have to have blind faith. You can't, you can't replicate the experiments. So when a scientist says, oh, this particle is smashing into that one, and then these are the, the sub-particles that are created, you can't test that. You can't verify that for yourself as a citizen. So all you can do is accept it on blind faith. Oh, yes, okay, that's true. And so in that way, science has become a religion, and you can't question it. In any way, I would agree. Which is, which is, is the irony is that that's antithetical to the scientific method. Uh, yeah. So when when someone says to you the science is in, there are some cases perhaps where you can safely say that after you know of, you know thousands of years and and repeating something over and over and you you get the same result. But when someone says to you the science is in, that's always a good clue to turn on your heels and run quickly in the opposite direction. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, because again, say the science is in, the science is never in. We're constantly collecting data and analyzing and testing hypotheses and uh, hypotheses and so forth. Um, now, how does that change? Well, it's true that that that, that science has become uh, deeply politicized. Uh, you mentioned, you know, vested interests, uh, tenure, for example, in universities, and and funding uh, is often tied to a particular dogma. Uh, yeah. And so if you challenge that orthodoxy, then you're up against, you know, this sort of almost monolithic machine. It's very difficult to do. But, but if you look, I think, at the arc of human uh, scientific development, eventually those dogmas are challenged. Maybe it's, it's, it's very slow at first. It takes a long time. And, and what I guess one of the major impediments are, you know, the – those that are guarding that orthodoxy, they have to to be completely uh, sort of brutal about it. They have to die. They have to die away. And they need to be replaced by, you know, the young, the Copernicus who is challenging that. And at first, you know, the biggest, the biggest uh, jumps in scientific development always come from people who are labeled heretics originally or initially. There's an old saying, you know, even the mightiest oak starts off as a nut. Uh, and and just that seems to me to be the way that that uh, science progresses. It takes sometimes a lot longer than it should. Uh, when you consider, for example, the propeller, um, you know, the propeller was, I, I believe, it was um, uh, one of the ancient Greeks. Um, I'm trying to think of his name now, that developed the, the the propeller. But we didn't do anything really with the propeller for you know a thousand years. We had steam. Uh, steam technology. We knew about steam at the time of the ancient Egyptians. 
but we didn't have material science in order to know, well, you know, people were afraid of steam. How, how thick does the metal have to be to prevent, you know, an explosion and so forth? So it took thousands of years for us to do anything with steam power. Uh, that just seems to be the way it is. And I don't know, you know, that maybe that's human nature. I don't know that there's any way around it. But eventually the truth wins out as, you know, as water rises above uh, oil. But I, or I'd oil like above to, water, rather, I should say. <laughs> I'd like to challenge people to to start, I guess, investigating things for themselves, to accept less on blind faith, to make... Like, I think YouTube is a wonderful means of taking science back from the hands of this kind of religious institution that it's become and, and making it something that citizens participate in. Right. Like I'm I make videos that challenge the globe model of Earth and just to show people just how much they take on faith, just how much they accept without understanding the details. And I think to me, it seems to me that rather than wait 50 years for this batch of scientists with their dogma to die off and hope that the next batch is somehow closer to the truth, I, I kind of think that it's our responsibility as as citizens to to start challenging the dogma and and speaking out. And I think YouTube is a great way of doing that. Uh, yes. You know, th- that process that I just talked about that can take generations upon generations, I mean, that may be quickened somewhat by, by the Internet. And never before have we had the world literally at our fingertips. And that's this is a clarion call for more people to get involved in science and start asking the fundamental questions. And, well, why do we believe this? And... Um, you know, and testing these things out for themselves. It's a great, uh, it's a great uh, idea, Sasha, and I appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. Do we have time for one more? Do we, can we talk to, is it Etalasi in Mississauga? Is it Etalasi? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Etalasi in Mississauga, someone who's hearing weird sounds. Going once, twice, Three times. All right. Uh, let's say hello to Melanie in Toronto. Hi. Good, good evening. Morning. Good morning, Melanie. I caught the tail end of your interview. Um, did they not have a sound canyon, I believe, during the G20 protests in Toronto? They were going to use yes. it and they were stopped. But yes. I'll tell you something. Our governments in North America and the Western world, they're looking for the enemy to be on the outside, which is true. It's there. But the worst kind of enemy that you can have throughout history, we've learned, is the one on the inside. And we, we have institutions that are corrupt who only are there to protect themselves and not the people they were set up to protect. That is a cancer in this country. And we have that in every institution, whether it's policing, government, uh, the RCMP, the local police, the teachers' union, medical professions who are the medical professionals who are uh, guilty of malpractice. They're set up. And if people realize that these institutions are not protecting us, they're protecting the institution themselves, they don't even protect the members of the institution, as we saw with uh, police officers who suffered depression, who have committed suicide. Mm-hmm. They were basically told to hide and not to come to the forefront. So I think we should start looking inward as to the enemy on the inside. And as the Bible says, my people perish for lack of good and godly leadership. I mean, our governments have have absolutely fallen to pieces. They're giving into every vice. They're giving into every insanity. And, and, and you know what? It's not the 
EMP, what is it, the electromagnetic pulses that are going to destroy us. It's our lack of uh, morality. It's our lack of accountability. So this is where people have to look. It's that seed of cancer of lack of accountability from our institutions. That's my opinion on the way life is going. And listen, you know, the Bible says we do not know when the end is to come, and we should not speculate on that. Exactly. Most people are too busy trying to make a living, feed their families. So, But your show is wonderful. It opens up our imagination. All right, Melanie, thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, do we have one more uh, from our live chat room in YouTube? Ryan. Yeah, we have uh, a pretty good one from Andrew here. He wants to know if some of Tesla's technology or something could maybe cause earthquakes, have there been any sort of strange or unnatural earthquakes in the past? Um, I, I wouldn't know uh, about whether Tesla had, you know, that we, we hear about this, uh, this death ray that he had, and uh, some people believe that that may have been behind. When was it? About 1908, the, um, this huge explosion in Siberia that just leveled trees, uh, you know, for, for square miles. It was an incredible blast. Uh, seems to me now they have, they have pretty well determined that that was a, a meteorite, uh, as, as far as I know. But I, I, I know that for some time people sort of pointed to, the, to Tesla's death ray. Uh, I've also heard, Albert was mentioning this to me earlier, in fact, Nelson Thal has talked to me about, you know, the, the placing a small nuclear device in the, in the tectonic plates can cause, uh, who knows, you know, what they're capable of uh, these days. Um, Mexico, Mexico City, that earthquake wasn't centered in Mexico City, but that, that area, um, they call those uh, the sub- subduction zones, they are just... They're they're not in a great spot. I mean, those the uh, underneath um, places like Mexico City, there's a lot of silt, uh, ancient oceans, and so forth, and um, it just turns to liquid. Uh, it's just it's just uh, rife for this type of seismic activity. And uh, of course, we had the the huge earthquake in Mexico. Again, wasn't centered in Mexico City. It was hundreds of miles away. Um, but because, again, because of the uh, the silt, it just spreads underground, and uh, it's and of course Mexico City has something like 20 million people. But in back in '85, I think there was 5,000 5, killed. Uh, from time to time, you hear about earthquakes that are happening in places they shouldn't happen, like Oklahoma, for example. They were having hundreds of earthquakes, and some people think it has to do with uh, fracking. This fracking uh, extraction of, uh, of oil uh, using water under high pressure could be causing some of, some of this. Who knows? Not my area, but we'll, uh, we'll get someone on to talk about it. All right, when we come back, Will Hart, Ancient Alien Ancestors, Advanced Technologies That Transformed Our World. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. 
We are uh, trying to connect with Will Hart, photojournalist and writer uh, who's been investigating UFOs and history's mysteries since 1968. Uh, he is the author of Ancient Alien Ancestors, Advanced Technologies That Transformed Our World, and we're uh, all set to discuss whether or not life was intentionally seeded on Earth by extraterrestrials in the distant past, and was the Earth tra- terraformed? Uh, through an engineering program so sophisticated and vast that it has even escaped our attention. And uh, do we have uh, Will? We do. Excellent news. Writer, photojournalist Will Hart is uh, with us. Will, thanks for joining us. You're in Mexico tonight, I understand. Well, thank you. And uh, yes, I am. I'm, I'm down in Mexico, just across the border, not very far down. So I'm not in the earthquake area. All right. But yes, I am in Mexico. When... Uh, Here's a term that I, uh, I admittedly was not familiar with, and that is directed panspermia. Directed panspermia. What does that mean exactly, Will? Well, basically, uh, panspermia, let's just start with that one real quick. Panspermia is just the concept that the sea of life are out there everywhere in the cosmos and getting transported around in various ways on cosmic objects, uh, comets, uh, what have you. Directed panspermia. That has actually been around since. You're cutting in and out. Um, can you hear me, Will? Did we lose Will? We did. He's dropped off. All right, we'll try to get him back. Well, in the meantime, why don't we go back to our uh, our live chat? And uh, do we have any more questions there, Ryan White? While we're waiting for Will Hart to join us, it sounds like that phone line is a little shaky down there in Mexico. Yeah, no, we, we had some question from Ian. Um, he wants to know about alternative energy and why is it so slow in, in coming? Uh, because the, uh, the economic system that we have and that we all benefit from is tied to the petrodollar. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of alternatives that have been tried, but nothing packs the, the energy efficiency of good old fossil fuel. Uh, now, to me, the bigger question is, you know, why do we not have far more fuel-efficient vehicles? I, I've done a number of programs, uh, including one with a late inventor who – this was a, an idea that's been around since the 1930s. It was a carburetor uh, that was um, created so that you could get 100 miles per gallon, 100 miles per gallon. And a number of, of, of people have, have talked about this and, and written about this and a number of people who – who did so actually ended up six feet under, or they disappeared mysteriously. So um, the question, the question is as to why it takes so long, uh, because we all have a vested interest in keeping the way the thing things the way they are. When they talk about disruptive technology, it's not just disruptive to the oil company; it's really disruptive to all of us. Uh, so we all have to sort of, I guess, uh, appreciate or understand. We're, we all have a vested interest in it. It's not just the oil companies. It would be dis- very disruptive for us just to, you know, to suddenly do away with an internal combustion engine. Um, think about how many jobs are dependent on, on, on that, and our way of life is dependent on that. Um, I, I believe that um, oil, you know, fossil fuels will be with us for another 20, 30 years anyway. I know a lot of uh, car companies are talking about by 2034, that's it. Um, they're, um, is it Volvo, I think, by 2034? That's it. They're, n- they're not going to produce any more uh, internal combustion engines. We shall see. We shall see. All right, I think we have Will Hart back. Will, are you there? 
Yes, I am here. Uh, to pick up, uh, directed panspermia is actually a theory. Uh, the next step up from panspermia, you know, as it suggests, intentional uh, transmission of seeds or transplanting seeds by an advanced race to the Earth, two other planets, but to the Earth. And it was proposed by uh, Sir Francis Crick, who was a co-discoverer of the DNA, the shape of the DNA molecule back in the 50s. He came up, along with Leslie Orgel, a biochemist, who was uh, the father of the RNA world. Right. So we're talking about two eminent scientists here who came up and proposed this back in the early 70s. Um, but there wasn't a lot of... We didn't have the, all the space program support that we do now. So they were, they were proposing this theory, and they didn't have a lot of support right then, but they were both experts in DNA. So they took apart Darwin's theory, because basically, you know, in science, you've got to, in, in order to come up with a new idea, people have to be convinced, well, why? Why do we need a new theory? So they took apart Darwin's theory and showed why it didn't work, and then proposed this, that an advanced race had seeded the Earth, of course, a very long time ago. And here we are. And uh, I mean, obviously we don't have time to get into Crick and Orgel's uh, theory of directed panspermia in, in great detail, but why couldn't it have just happened accidentally where microbial matter landed here via a, a meteorite or, or you know, uh, a comet? Well, they didn't think that it was – yeah, it could. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. They basically uh, argued that it didn't seem strong enough uh, – that there needed to be like a directing force there that that things just you know just flying around randomly uh they didn't they thought it was too that what was sent here was was too far advanced and if you look at you know the uh the intelligence theory their ideas are basically what spawned that they came up with the argument that you have uh organisms here the first ones that are found are too advanced already for for some kind of evolution to have taken place on the planet they're just like little you know little tiny machines almost right and there are leaps in there are leaps in um, in, in the development of certain species and uh, that, that are not are not seem to be reflected in the fossil record so it's almost as if something got kick-started we'll uh, we'll take a time out and uh, come back. Will Hart is with us. Ancient Alien Ancestors, Advanced Technologies That Transformed Our World. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. When your transmission won't go, go to Mr. Transmission. They get you back on the road fast. See their website at mrtransmission.com. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Will Hart is uh, with us. Ancient Alien Ancestors, Advanced Technologies that Transformed Our World. This is sort of the, the second uh, chapter. The first one would be Genesis Race. Um, Will, we were talking 
uh, about, you know, somehow microbial matter or more sophisticated organisms were intentionally uh, seeded here on planet Earth in the distant past by an extraterrestrial uh, race. I wanted to ask you, the second chapter of the book, you talk about Enrico Fermi and, of course, uh, the the Fermi uh, paradox where he says, you know, we have something like, is it 80 billion galaxies in the observable universe and, and probably more suns than there are grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. Uh, you know, given the, the, the size and the age and so forth of the universe, there, somebody out there should have developed interstellar travel by now, but Fermi's point was, well, so where are they? And you say, well, there's a fly, a fly in the ointment, in Fermi's ointment. Explain. Well, I, you know, to me, what... Uh, yes, Fermi was, uh, you know, an eminent physicist, but he neglected to, to put all the data into that formula that he came up with, uh, because scientists at that time, except for Carl Sagan, astronomer, just ignored archaeology, just ignored the, the type of evidence that, uh, that um, I'm sorry, somebody's here right now. Um, anyway, he did not take into consideration all the enigmatic archaeological evidence, the cultural evidence, and I'm talking about, you know, the Bible, the Sumerian text, the Enuma Elish, uh, the Dogon uh their oral traditions, which were all saying that, look, some other race, some alien race, the gods, came and visited us. They brought us these technologies. We didn't create any of this. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, ancient Egypt, which is kind of a... It's, um, it's fascinating that, as you point out, you have Egyptian, one of the great ancient civilizations, lasted something like 3,000 years. Uh, and yet, the... If you look at ancient Egypt, they didn't have any major urban centers, as you point out. They no. didn't have an understanding of civil engineering, uh, and yet they constructed these these well, they amazing. Didn't, they didn't construct well, them. Well, yes, and, that was and my that's next the point. real. That's the big issue, and that's where you know the name of your show. I, that, that's where you start having having to think about conspiracy because you're looking at a 48-story tall precision-engineered structure. It had to be precision-engineered because the base had to be just as flat as, as a, uh, an iron frying pan, you know, because to, to, to stack 204 rows with millions of blocks of stone so that it, re- it goes up and it doesn't become all, you know, discombobulated along the way. Right. Um, you have to have precision engineering on a massive scale. And that, what I don't understand is engineers don't talk about it. Very, very few, and only in recent years have a few stuck their noses out there. There seems to be such a fear of, of being ridiculed, of being held up in the public as, you know, wearing a tinfoil hat, that these engineers who know better, anybody can look at that structure and go, wait a minute. Don't tell me people built that with stone tools and then carried those blocks by the millions. Now, this is the silliest proposal imaginable, and yet people have been brainwashed, literally brainwashed into believing it. And, and You have stones in there that are 70 tons. Nobody lifted a 70-ton stone up, and they didn't get it up 150 vertical feet into the king's chamber, completely flat, completely, you know, squeezed together so you can't put a credit card between the stones. And yet, 
people have been given to accept that by this academic establishment, and it's not in one place. It is global. So if you want to talk a conspiracy, do they need to stand up, you know, and talk to each other? No. Conspiracies don't work that way. People are a lot more subtle than that, especially educated people. Well, you know, you can. They, all they have to do is write you know, a few little things, and everybody gets a signal. Hey, we don't touch this. We're not going to talk about these elongated skulls. We're not going to talk about any of these enigmas that are out there. We just ignore them. Talk to me about how the the the, the Great Pyramids of Giza are representative of the three inner planets. Well, if you, even if you look at them, um, you you stand back and go, wait a minute, why are they such? such hugely different sizes. Well, two of them are pretty close, which the Earth and Venus are. I did the math. We, if you read it, I, we can't go into all the math because that kind of boggles people's minds if they listen to it on the radio. But it breaks down to where the Great Pyramid represents the Earth, the Second Pyramid, Venus. They're about the same ratio. I, I put all the, the math in there. And then the Third Pyramid, Mercury. I'm not saying that that negates or competes with the, the theory of Orion. I, the pyramid builders didn't work that way. They worked on so many different levels that the pyramid is many, many different things, in, including being the GPS anchor for longitude. So it's many different things. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't dispute uh, Chris Dunn's power plant theory. Yes, I've, that's... It's just a lot more complex, and we like to think linear, and we like to think either or. It's a lot more complex than that, and you have to keep your mind wide open. Uh, one of the fa fascinating uh, aspects that you raise in the book is the idea that Earth was terraformed. We often hear about, you know, if we're going to colonize Mars, we need to, we need to create an atmosphere. We need to melt the, uh, the, uh, the, the polar ice on Mars and release carbon dioxide and, and create an atmosphere. You're saying that there's evidence that the Earth was terraformed, in, engineered, terraformed. What's, give us a few in, for instances. Well, what I present, what triggered that in me was partly because we're doing it. In my first book, The Genesis Race, I suggested that we're recapitulating. We have it in our DNA to do exactly what the advanced race, the bioengineered us, to do. They go around extending life, bringing life to other planets, getting kick-starting civilization. We're already, we're only 50 years into these things, and we're all one generation into space travel, DNA. DNA has been proven it's not that difficult to manipulate DNA. We're way ahead in that. We're finding out that space travel is the hard problem. It's difficult. And I think a lot of people, not just alternative people, but our scientists are already scratching their heads going, I don't think we can do it the hardware way we're trying to. We're going to have to go some kind of portal, a wormhole, some other way of doing it. And we got a ways, quite a ways to go on that. And I think that's what the aliens did. What, because it's very difficult to solve the problem of these vast distances between the planets. Um, Anyway, get, let's get back to your point. Right, terraforming, yes. If we're already doing it this quickly, we're already thinking of how to do it, you, you, I think you get what I'm, what I'm implying here, that 
It's in us. It's just in us. We, we're, we're doing these things and very fast going, okay, where's all this going? What's our real mission here? What's our purpose? And it just comes to terraform. We could, we could extend life to Mars or other planets, just like you said. And that's what I say was done here. And I say the proof is the 30 North Meridian and the position of the Great Pyramid on that longitude, the, the longitude, the prime meridian, should not be over at Greenwich. There was no reason to put Greenwich as the prime meridian. No scientific reason. They just did it because at that time Great Britain had the political power in the world. It was only done like 300 years ago. But the pyramid shows, it shows you exactly what the planet's geometry is. The Nile and the Mississippi Delta are exactly 120 degrees apart. It doesn't matter what system of reckoning you use. If you, but if you make the pyramid, then you see it. Pyramids at zero, you see it's 120 degrees from the pyramid. On the other side, the uh, Yangtze Delta is exactly 90 degrees. You put it in Greenwich, it makes it look like there, there isn't that geometry. The geometry is there. And then you have the longest river in the world. I mean, if you see these things from satellite, you see, you know, the Nile is 6,000 miles long. It's running north-south, and there the pyramid sits right on 30 north. And then you go from there, and you actually see that you get to the Mississippi, and the mound builders were, were to the north with the Mississippi flowing from north to south, the Nile going the other direction. They're like inverted mirror images of each other. Mm, yeah, it's too precise. Too neat and tidy. Uh, what about the idea? I, you don't. I don't believe you broached this in the book, but uh, I, I've interviewed uh, the co-authors who wrote a book about. Uh, it was called "Who Built the Moon." The idea that the moon is one of the most un- mysterious objects in 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 the observable observable universe, and the idea that it, that it's almost too perfect. The distance from the the uh, the Earth that life would not be possible if the moon wasn't exactly in the place that it is, the size that it is. Um, do you think that there's any credence to that, that part of this terraforming may have been the... the, 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 the yeah, the, the moon could have been towed into place. Yes. It, it is a very odd object in our solar system because it's very big compared to other moons. The ratio of the moons to their uh, parent bodies, the, our moon is much bigger than the other moons are relative to the planets. And yeah, I, uh, I agree with them that it... it there, there's a lot of anomalies about it. Um, you know, it's just the exact right size because it's to to cover the sun in an eclipse because it's the distance. So that it just covers. I think we're talking 400 times. Um, it's actually three three hundred and sixty-five, which is you yeah, know the, the days you know, in the so year. Yeah, we have all these very precise things going on for life to be. Here on the planet, everything has to be just right, and it is just right. So you have to then infer there's got to be an intelligence. I mean, it's not the kind of intelligence we can really think of or imagine because it's too, even to conceive of the planet possibly having been terraformed. Because what I'm saying is you have to, what I'm saying is you have to think of if these rivers are all flowing into this 30 degree north around the entire planet and then coming out at deltas and flowing into the seas, why did the landmass 
see, why did this all intersect around this one band on the planet? What makes it so special? Well, then, you know, you start getting into a level of geology where nobody's asking those kind of questions. Right, right. Our scientists don't seem, at this point, to really want things to be orderly and organized. They seem to want to explain everything in terms of, let's go back through a series of accidents to the Big Bang. Right, random. That's where right. nothing came, and just all these things were just there, and they went kaboom, and then here we are. Through a bunch of accidents, and then you throw Darwinism in there, which is an accident, too. Um, I just don't buy that at all. Everything I look at is organized and orderly. Every, I'm looking at nature. I'm looking at at rivers. I'm looking at the palm of my hand. You know, I'm seeing veins. I'm seeing things that are organized. Hundred percent. It all speaks. It all speaks to a, a great architect. Who that architect was? Was it an, an ancient race of uh, advanced uh, extraterrestrials? Uh, was it Almighty God? That's that's always food for thought and uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us Will we'll have you back on when we have more time Ancient Alien Ancestors Advanced Technologies That Transformed Our World my thanks to Ian Albert Ryan back next week back to the old format hope you'll enjoy it in the meantime don't be afraid there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known what you hear in the dark speak in the light what I say in a whisper proclaim from the housetops move over Aphrodite I'm coming home Good night. Happy birthday to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.